We interrupt this broadcast with some important news. Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's time time for Taiwan This Week. Good evening and welcome to this week's edition of Taiwan This Week with me, your host, Gavin Phipps. And I'm joined in the studio this evening by regular ICRT commentator Ross Feingold. Good evening. And on the telephone by Albert Cho, an associate professor of political science at Donghai University. Hi, everyone. And also ICRT's central Taiwan correspondent, Donovan Smith. Good to be here. Tonight we'll be discussing, well, tomorrow's elections. And why not? Because really we have to. And election leave rallies are planned island-wide this evening as the candidates pull out all the stops to seek and shore up their support. Now, political heavyweights from both the two main parties will be making appearances at events from Taipei to Kaohsiung. But the biggest events are slated to take place in the battlegrounds of Taipei, New Taipei, Taichung and Kaohsiung, where the local newspapers this morning ran ahead Headlines that screamed, the decisive battle is now at a boiling point. Now, of course, these big election eve rallies come at the end of what has proven to be yet another very colourful and very lively campaign season here in Taiwan. So one big final push tonight. But Ross, what has stuck, what has sort of struck, stuck out this year for you over the past two months of campaigning during this election? Well, I'd have to disagree with something you said, Gavin, about this being another lively election. While I wouldn't say that voters are necessarily disinterested, uh, compared to a lot of past elections, I I would say even in 2016, uh, the presidential and legislative UN election, we started to see that that level of excitement attending rallies, uh, banners and flags around cities doesn't exist the way it used to. It could be because people are just turned off by politics. It could be because so much of election campaigning now occurs on the internet. We've certainly seen that with this election, obviously, Hong Yu being the most notable example for his success reaching out to potential supporters. Ko Wenja has also been very successful with his internet efforts as well, his YouTube videos, uh, his appearance in a rap video uh, not long ago was also consistent with uh, his success with uh, online social media marketing. Uh, so I, I wouldn't call it lively. Uh, are, are voter turnout rates going to be consistent with past elections? Probably yes, because uh, we have enough data from elections, whether local elections or national elections, to know that voter turnout in Taiwan is fairly consistent, around 70 percent, certainly far higher than my country in the U.S. Uh, so uh, is there interest? Yes. Is it lively? No. Um, and that is due to a variety of factors. Albert, what have you seen from this campaign season? Okay, um, I, I think uh, Ruth is right uh, in the sense that uh, perhaps not as many young voters uh, go out to vote uh, as much as before. But there's a caveat to this uh, evaluation, uh, which is that uh, referendum. Because uh, this year we do have uh, new voters who, as long as reach the age of 18, they are eligible to vote. So uh, according to my own observation, I think this part would uh, would, uh, would indicate of good turnout. That's my first point. And the second uh, you know, uh, point I'm having right now is that we do have uh, some other interesting phenomena going on this year. Uh, number one is we see a lot of go live on Facebook um, uh, for you know, candidates' uh, campaign strategy, which we don't see as much even back uh, in two years ago uh, in 2016. 
And also, uh, just like uh, Ruth just mentioned, that uh, this year we have seen a, a apparent reverse or revenge on KMT's side. So uh, on that track, you know, we, we have seen a lot of momentum for candidates like Han Guoyu or even uh, the uh, Yi in the new Taipei city. And, and the third one, I... You know, I, I, I kind of uh, feel that uh, there is a little bit of progress in Taiwan's electoral democracy in the sense that corruption uh, is not as much as uh, in the past elections. At least so far, we haven't seen, uh, you know, a salient uh, news coverage on this regard. And finally, I think plain people, uh, in Taiwanese we say that Su Ren continue to be the main role. Neither is political elite nor is professional has the power to set in tone. And uh, examples abound, uh, mayor candidates, including Tainan non-partisan candidates like the Yi Fong, uh, you know, uh, really has their five minutes show, if you will. Uh, but, um, you know, to, 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 uh, to, uh, to, be, to be fair, I think they are very successful in terms of promote their, their, themselves and then perhaps will gain something uh, after election. Right, and Donovan, has it been... Ross didn't think it was very colourful. Was it colourful for you? The funny thing is, actually, I, 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 I guess we're, we're all kind of looking at different things. Um, I, I felt that this year it has been pretty colourful because the, the KMT... Uh, compared to, I think, the last couple of election cycles has been really kind of ginned up and, and they've kind of been re-energized, uh, you know, with this so-called hand wave. Um, so there's been a little bit of revival on the blue side. Um, and there, there's been a lot of effort on both. And, and then there's been kind of a, a reversal, uh, kind of a, a reverse attempt to counter that on the, on the KMT, on the DPP side. Um, no, as far as the corruption uh, not being covered, I've actually seen quite a bit. Um, as I go through a, a news cycle every week where I, I do uh, th- go through a lot of aggregation, so I'm seeing uh, reports across a lot of different, uh, a lot of different media, and I, I've been collecting a fair number of articles on uh, vote buying and uh, corruption cases um, regarding the election. Um, and I, I think there's been a, a significant number, not not anywhere near as much as say ten years ago, uh, but I think definitely not radically less than over the last uh, couple of election cycles. Um, and something that that I found that that uh, is very interesting is whether or not this hand wave does extend. Uh, beyond the beyond the deep blue core or KMT, you know, existing KMT voters to the public at large, and I think that's actually a different question whether you're asking about uh, inside of Kaohsiung or outside of Kaohsiung. Right, Ross, corruption this year. Have you seen much corruption? Has anyone sort of approached you? Uh, I have offers outstanding right now, waiting for the highest bidder to give me uh, money for my vote. Of course, I don't have the right to vote. So if anyone wants to pay me, they are welcome to do so. Can I say that on the air, Gavin? You just said it, mate. There you go. Too late. Uh, But uh, it's good that uh, corruption in general is is not uh, at the top of the list of things that people are talking about. Uh, There have been some arrests 
Uh, so those cases, if, if past experience is a guide, will take five to 10 years to go through the process. So 10 years from now, we'll be talking about some city co- uh, county council candidate from Pingdong whose conviction was finally confirmed after 10 years of appeals. Uh, but uh, the, the bigger issue, obviously, is not corruption or vote buying, blatant vote buying. It's this accusation from some sides of Taiwan's political divide that China is engaged in uh, disinformation campaigns and various other kinds of manipulation of the election. So these accusations uh, are uh, with regard to different kinds of methods. The most easiest one is to say that uh, the popularity of Hong Yu on the internet, the number of page views that he's getting is due to mostly people in China, not voters in Kaohsiung or in Taiwan. Uh, and, and that, it, it may be a fact. It may be true that a lot of his page views come from China or other parts of the Mandarin-speaking world where people are just kind of getting interested in, in, in this event and who this guy is who's uh, generated a lot of excitement online. Uh, the The more concerning... Uh, accusations are that politicians have been bought off by China, that they that if elected, they will implement policies favorable to China. Uh, so this accusation is is in the, the, the public space. It's discussed on TV, in the print media. Uh, even United States officials recently have alluded to this in several different forums, different government, U.S. government officials at different times in different places and with different audiences uh, with regard to the Taiwan election. But we haven't seen anybody in Taiwan arrested for this yet. So let's hope that it's not happening. If it is happening, it will be exposed. And if anyone in Taiwan has violated the law because they are uh, somehow engaged with China and and doing things that are against Taiwan's electoral laws, then of course they should be prosecuted. Uh, But this accusation is out there, more so than uh, were some voters given 1,000 NT or 3,000 NT or a a lunchbox to support a particular candidate. So is it going to impact the result tomorrow? I would say probably not because voters are going to make their decision based on how they feel about the candidates, not because a a voter received a packet of cash from China. Uh, But let's keep this in mind and see if any prosecutions do do occur uh, in the coming weeks or months. Right, Albert, I mean, do you think China has been trying to manipulate the elections? Right. Um, oh, I mean, as an observer, I'm supposed to be objective. Um, but um, I think I think Ruth is right that the accusation is, is everywhere. And what's even uh, more intriguing for maybe uh, you know observers is that um, that the accusation is comes from the mouth of our president uh, Tsai Ing-wen, and even she uh, in, in the meeting with. Uh, with the parties, and she she actually uh, states this the severity of this problem. Well, in fact, whether or not this problem is severe is up to where you are from. Pim Blue supporters tend to think that this is greatly framed by DPP, who does not actually perform well uh, as a ruling party, and it wants to distract the mainstream society from their dissatisfaction with President Tsai. However, on the other hand, Pan Green tends to think this is real and uh, try to connect this to Pan Blue candidates, for example, Han Guoyu, in that he does not even try to blame it. So this is kind of old strategy for some people. But 
perhaps still working for a little segment of the population. And finally, uh, in Penguin supporters' perspective, they think President Donald Trump has a role in it because uh, even though uh, we are kind of uh, uh, meddled by the China influence, but on the other hand, who is back up us and, you know, this is obviously American government, uh, to be precise, is Donald Trump administration. So I think Taiwan this year, what's unique about election is that um, Taiwan is poured uh, in, sort of poured in, in a triangle relationship, uh, United States, Taiwan, and China, and plays a very uh, setting role. At least we haven't seen this in the past three decades. But this year, we do see this kind of phenomenon that's that's a very interesting connection between the domestic politics and also the international relations, especially U.S.-China relations. Donovan. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, China is trying to influence the elections, but that's not new. Um, the, they've been trying to influence the election since at least 1995. Um, and in the last uh, one or two election cycles, they've been doing things like subsidizing or um, discounting airline tickets uh, for the Taishang to come back, uh, the China-based uh, Taiwanese business people to come back and vote. Um, <clears throat> they've been using the Internet for some time. Uh, and all of this is, is well known. Uh, but the question is, is, have they, is not even if they're doing it, they're definitely doing it. We know this. They've been doing it for a while. Uh, the question is more how much and how. Um, and have they have they radically increased it this time around? And and then finally, will it actually have that much effect? Because obviously they did discount tickets and all this kind of thing last the last uh, one or two election cycles, and clearly they didn't they, they weren't able to stop the pan green wave that that swept the country in the last two election cycles. So it you know they they haven't been terribly effective, and they weren't very effective in ninety five ninety six when they shot. Missiles in stopping Li Donghui. So, um, so far they they haven't actually been able to do. Um, they haven't proved to be very good at it. Um, <clears throat> now, as far as uh, you know, as I, I noted during the roundtable, you know, I saw a uh, pan blue commentator put up on. Uh, on the t- you know on the TV screen, put up a chart showing, for example, uh, Han Guoyu's growth in line uh, you know line members or line friends, and it went up you know by thousands per day, and then all of a sudden one day it went up by over a hundred thousand. That was over one third in a single day, which is clearly not an organic growth. Um, now, when she put up the numbers, she started to go through it, and her talking point was quite clearly that uh, his line account now had more followers than Ke Pi or Ke Wenza in Taipei. And I, I, I saw, actually watched her sort of going through, through this, and then she realized the numbers so blatantly showed this giant jump on a single day, and she quickly glossed over it to go to, to her talking point. Now, whether that's coming from China or whether that's internal, uh, you know, obviously some, somebody somewhere was, was artificially paying for either bots or possibly 50 cent army members to, uh, you know, to join and boost that number so that it was higher than KP. So it was artificial. Again, we don't know if it was China or locally. Uh, organized, but so election interference, uh, ginning up numbers on social media, is definitely happening. Um, 
But once again, I, again, how much impact this will actually have at the end of the day is, is a big question mark. And so far, China hasn't done a very good job at it, historically at least. Well, again, the, the, the key point here is, is anyone going to be prosecuted for violating any of Taiwan's election laws or laws governing interactions between people in Taiwan and China? I say, mm-hmm. bring it on. If somebody's broken the law, then the prosecutor should be going after those people filing charges. But to, to throw out these accusations on, on TV the way so many commentators have, and to, to some extent politicians as well, uh, to use it, as the professor said, uh, you know, some kind of uh, cover for underperformance by DPP candidates. I, I don't see how that's productive as well. Yeah, I, I, that, that's true. Uh, although the government hasn't already announced uh, a lot of investigations, obviously the most the, the, the most visible is obviously the new party members. But that's um, not for election uh, 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 wrongdoing, right? That was for espionage. It's quite – or stealing uh, national secrets, right? It's very different. As, that is not an accusation about manipulating the election, right? So we have a lot of people on TV and to some extent politicians saying China's manipulating the election. If it's true, then bring the charges. Otherwise, in a way, it's kind of insulting to the voters, right? It's it's like you're saying to the voters, you you support um, the, the candidate we don't like. That must mean that you're, you're, you've been brainwashed. I, I think we, we owe the voters a little bit more respect than that. I think that the, 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 there's no that I, I don't think that China uh, is going to is going to influence it very much. And frankly, if the DPP is going to run and hide behind that as cover, I, I it's they're just going to look bad. But how, isn't that what um, they've been the doing, hand, Donovan? The has has announced that they actually have active investigations going on. Albert. Yep, yep. Oh, well, actually, I tend to agree with the uh, rules uh, in that. Uh, I think this is the whole accusations about this kind of China inference. Uh, trust me, uh, in, in greatly, it, it's only about political symbols that is used by Pen Greens, uh, most likely to kind of uh, organize or mobilize their own supporters. And that's only gesture, because, you know, in Taiwan, the society is highly... Uh, bothered by the China issue, and we often see the whole society split into two parts, one pro, one against China. So whoever is in power, either green or blue, they all know the the problem that if we play something for real, just like what Ruth, bring it on, if there's a accusation, if you can find, you know, solid evidence, and 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 even more directly, you can accuse somebody for for this this reason, and that's gonna be very sensational, sensitive, and over uh, reacting to 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 a lot of people. So, I don't think you know in 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 a, in a experience uh, with the Taiwan democracy. I mean, we've been on this land for so many years, and uh, even I, I went to the United States for several years for study. So after come back, I think that you know the Taiwan's politics uh, is similar to U.S. politics. Uh, in a sense that we, we do produce a lot of symbolic politics during the campaign seasons. And uh, uh, honestly, nobody, especially during the brew of green campaigns, uh, you know, tends to take this seriously. I mean, in terms of really, uh, you know, the accuse somebody. Accuse somebody, like, for example, uh, if you guys remember a couple of days ago, Han Guoyi, he, he, he kind of uh, does not... In, in in upper hand with uh, the another candidate uh, Chen Qimai, so what he tries to do is he tries to distract the audience uh, from the situation in the 
uh, televised debates by uh, filing a lawsuit. He attempted to, but at the very last minute, he, he gave up on that. He said, oh, you know, because of A and B and C, so I, I, I decided not to do this anymore. But that was a show. That was a show. And this type of strategy is not used by only DPP, but also KMT candidates. So we should remember that we got a lot of shows, which is like American democracy in Taiwan during this campaign season. And, you know, I, I think Ruth is right that in the aftermath of election, nothing's going to happen. Or maybe uh, it happens in, prior to election as a, as a gesture, but nothing substantive later. That's my perspective. Right. We have to take a short break now, but we'll be right back after these important commercials. Welcome back to Taiwan This Week. And in the first half of the show, we talked about possible Chinese manipulation or allegations of Chinese manipulation of the elections in the first half of the show. But we'll move on now and we'll talk about manipulation of the elections by, well, local media outlets. Now, the National Communications Commission says that five television stations are now being investigated for possible violations of election laws. Now, to name them, well, it's Zhongtian, TVBS, TTV... Formosa Television and Next Television. Now, they've all allegedly broken some law or other over the past couple of weeks. And the violations include airing poll results during the 10-day ban. That's a no-no. Not giving candidates equal airtime during televised debates. Tut, tut. Not airing full debates on referendum topics. Oh, dear. And also airing commercials by groups who are opposed to same-sex marriage. Now, the NCC says the list of complaints has been sent to the Central Election Commission for further investigation. So, Ross, the actions of the television stations. Well, we, we know that a lot of laws and regulations in Taiwan uh, overreach, in my opinion, when it comes to uh, equal time and uh, not being perceived as advertising for a product or, in this case, for a political candidate. So it's actually very easy for TV stations to run afoul of these regulations and then uh, face a, a potential fine. But ultimately, this this doesn't really change uh, the information that's available f- to voters. So I, I feel, it's again, it's, it, it's overreach. In a way, it's, it's a bit silly uh, because if you don't like the message on a particular TV station because they talk too much about one side, and it's not the side you like, well, you can change the channel because I assure you, Gavin, there's another TV station that will argue for the other side. You know, fortunately, in Taiwan's uh, media space, we have uh, TV stations that advocate for one side. We have TV stations advocate for the other. Then we probably have a few TV stations that one could say are genuinely uh, neutral and, and advocate for both sides. And it would be the same for websites. It would be the same for more traditional media, such as uh, print newspapers. Uh, so you know, this accusation that, oh, well, you know, one station in, in a 30-minute segment gave X minutes to the, to the KMT candidate or the DP candidate and didn't give an equal amount to the, to the opposite candidate, it's silly and it doesn't really change the information that voters have available because there is so many there are so many TV stations there are so many websites uh, there are so many rallies there's so many canvassers on the street handing out information uh, about policies I don't think voters are suffering simply because a TV station had uh, more minutes for one candidate or the other and like I said if you don't like it you feel that it's biased change the channel Albert I mean did you get up and turn off the set? 
Yeah, well, actually, I think the audience suffer in a sense that uh, it's just too much uh, as far as the bias in in all kinds of media outlets, from television to newspapers, even to the internet news. And you know, from the perspective of uh, the deliberative democracy, I think we do have to see people who have different political positions or perspective from ours. But unfortunately, I think as the online uh, media or the kind of online campaign goes on, continues, I think the situation becomes worse. And people kind of uh, uh, withdraw back to their so-called homogenous group. And, and I, I don't think that's do anything good uh, to Taiwan's democracy. And, um, um, you know, like, I, I think NCC does play an important role, How, even though NCC itself uh, makes trouble sometimes. But I, but I think that as, as a news media or as a news outlet, uh, objectivity and also neutrality is the basic principle. But unfortunately, I don't see that uh, serve as any uh, basic principle compared with when we back to when we received this journalism education back in school. I don't think that plays uh, as an important role anymore for, for Taiwan's media, which is very um, bothering to me. And I, 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 you know, th there is one possible solution to this is, you know, everybody, as you guys mentioned, the equal time. And uh, even though we know it is impossible for, for us to expect any news media as a, as a totally neutral objective, which is also in practice impossible, but at least they should um, uh, uh, have a, a location of time dedicated to, uh, you know, candidates they don't like. For example, Sunny should should you know, uh, play the news uh, or, or or produce news more about Han Guoyu and vice versa. I think TVBS or like Zhong Tian, especially Zhong Tian should produce more news about Chen Chi Mai. And, and that way it's healthier for our democracy. It's not only about healthier or beneficial for specific party or candidates. And that to me is the way to go. But obviously we're, we, we are far away from there. Right, Donovan, have you been yelling at the news channels this week? <laughs> Vomiting is more like it. Um, <laughs> um, in this, actually, I agree, I agree with Ross. I think that the <clears throat> the laws in Taiwan kind of overreach when it comes to the <clears throat> to the media. Um, <clears throat> I really don't think that it's a, it, it's very productive for the government to try and intervene. Uh, in what the stations are advocating, the the fact of the matter is that yes, the stations are are uh, are all biased. Um, <clears throat> the media are, are are pretty much biased one way or the other. Uh, but again, <clears throat> you can find media for your bias if you want to go find it. Um, and so there's a market for your bias, and and oh, you over there, we got a we got a bias for you. So come and come and check out our bias, and that's sort of the way it works these days. It's disappointing, um, and it, it, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to watch. Um, but the bigger problem I feel is that there it, there is a sense um, both in print and on TV. Uh, and this is more of a budget is issue as much as it is an ethics issue, is that there is kind of a, a, a poor quality of journalism uh, taking place. Um, but I don't really see that the NCC has much of a role to play in that. That that has a lot more to do with the market and the way the economics of it are playing out. Um, and then, I, I, and again, in online media, there's also the issue of uh, the way that people 
use the platforms like Facebook and other social media to access a lot of information, but they're built it, both these the you know these these companies like Facebook make it very very easy for you to selectively choose your bias. So people more and more are choosing their media, both online and offline, to suit their own biases. Um, and the market's responding to that. Um, so again, I, I don't really see what the NCC's role is in, in that, because people are, are choosing it on their own, and the market is offering them what they seem to want. Um, <clears throat> another issue that, that is... Sad, but I'm not really sure what the you know again what they can do about it. And the government did pull their funding um, for some of the more independent uh, scholarly outfit, outfits are opinion research on the candidates. Um, the, it's been highly politicized this cycle to a point that it, it, it's almost useless now for an analyst to try and figure out which which way the public is going, what they truly support. Um, it's become a partisan play thing again, like it was back in the 90s. Right, we shall move on from the media, and we'll have a bit of a prediction here. I have a map of Taiwan in front of me that was published on the front page of the Apple Daily today. Ross is the witness. I have the map, Ross. Yes, you do. I have the map. and it, Albert, did you see the Apple Daily today? Oh, not yet. I'm scared at home, yeah. So there you go. Anyway, I've got the map in front of me, so we'll have some predictions here. So we'll begin with Ross in the studio. Taipei, do you think Mayor Kerr will win, or do you think Ding Zhong will win, or do you think Pasuya Yao will come out of nowhere and win? Well, notwithstanding uh, Donovan's uh, concerns about polling, it does seem that the polls give uh, Cohen's uh, a lead, and that's been consistent throughout this election campaign. The two candidates opposing him uh, have not excited voters. And to be fair to Ke, uh, he should win if the voters of Taipei City feel that he's doing a good job in the day-to-day management of the city. And I, I think uh, you know, talking to people who live here in Taipei, you, you'd be challenged to find people who say uh, he's done a bad job running the city government. Albert, what do you think of Taipei? The Taipei race, Albert. Yeah, even though uh, Ding Xiaozong, uh, according to the you know the voter structure in Taipei City, but I still think that Ke has an edge over the other two uh, at the very end of 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 the game. So I, I kind of expect Ke will win will win the mayorship this year. Right, Donovan. <laughs> I, I'm so used to being the only supporter among the analysts uh, in <laughs> in in the sense that I think he's going to win. Um, <clears throat> The uh, a lot of people have been, uh, and I mean on this show, including for example with Jerome Keating, we talked about how uh, they. There's a lot of analysts who believe that uh, Taipei, at the end of the day, because the DPP did not support Ke, that the tribal voters will come and basically on both sides pick off enough support to deliver, uh, and will chip away at Ke's support to uh, get, hand the election to. So, Zhong. Uh, but I think that Ke does have a support base uh, that is uh, easily can rival uh, the tribal support base of the traditional parties in Taipei. Uh, voters who are basically um, 
uh, pox on both your houses voters, uh, ones who are sick of politics as usual. And I think Kuh has done a very good job of appealing to those voters and delivering for those voters. And I think they'll come out for him. Right, there we go. We, we all, the three guests all agree with the Apple Daily. Let's move on to New Taipei. And Albert, who's going to come out on top in New Taipei, Albert? I think the New Taipei, the distance between the KMT candidates, Hou Yi, and also the DPP, uh, Su Dengchang is, is is even more salient than the difference in in Taipei City. I think I think Hou Yu is gonna win the election, and Hou Yu has been very stable in terms of his support and also his strategy is not really following or kind of even reactive to uh, the candidate Su Dengchang. So I think he's pretty stable uh, in terms of winning the final uh, election um, electoral victory. In many ways, it's similar to Taipei City in the sense that if the voters of New Taipei are satisfied with the job of the outgoing mayor, Eric Julie Lund, uh, because Hoyo Yi was a deputy mayor the last few years in New Taipei, uh, Julie Lund is campaigning for Hoyo Yi. Uh, so it's continuity. If you're happy with um, what's go- currently going on in city governance in New Taipei, you're, you're going to vote for and that is reflected in the polls. And Su Jun Chang's had a very difficult time uh, trying to overcome uh, uh, that satisfaction, uh, even though Julie Lun only was reelected by a very small margin of only 20,000 votes four years ago. Uh, but there hasn't been significant corruption. There's been uh, progress with some large infrastructure projects uh, in New Taipei. Uh, so, again, it's a, it's a continuity play. And if you're happy with it, then you, you vote for Ho Yoi. Right, Donovan. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, Ho Yui is actually right now the KMT's best politician. Um, <clears throat> I think he's a very strong candidate. Um, and I, I think he, you know, he's campaigned well. Uh, and really, uh, the only serious knock against him that uh, people might bring up, of course, is the Nylon Dung raid. Um, but then again, the, you know, the, when the, uh, you know, the, that high official in the transitional justice, uh, you know, appointed by the DPP, went out and tried, you know, was caught trying to find dirt on Hoyoe. That kind of, uh, I think, eliminated any possible advantage that the DPP could have had on uh, the nylon dung issue. Um, <clears throat> however, I, I do think that Su Zhenzhang is a fantastic campaigner. Uh, he's very charismatic. I think he's going to do reasonably well, but I think he's still going to lose. And the reason is, is that he held the position, you know, before, back when it was Taipei County as commissioner. Uh, but that, you know, he finished in 2004 uh, is when his term ended. And, you know, I feel like uh, uh, choosing a candidate who held the post before back in the 90s and early 2000s is not really a good bet on the future. And I, so I think voters will give it to Ho Yoi, but I do think that Su Zhenzhang will will do reasonably well. Uh, at the end of the day, but still lose. There we go. All three yet again agree with the Apple Daily. Now let's pop off to Tai Jong and begin with Donovan. Is it going to be blue or is it going to be green? Who gets a smiley face tomorrow, Donovan? <laughs> well, I think actually at the beginning of the campaign, it could have really gone either way. Um, the I, 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 Back in the beginning, I gave Lin Jialong a slight edge. Um, I think his edge has widened uh, a bit. I, I, I think he's going to do well, and I think he's going to take it for, the, for a few reasons. I, at the beginning of the campaign, I said there's two things to watch. One is whether or not um, 
the Flora Expo, which is a big international deal uh, for the city, launches well or not. And the second is the air pollution in the run-up to the election. Now, the, the Flora Expo launched phenomenally well, um, beyond, I think, even the, the, the hopes of Lynn's supporters. Um, and that actually, I think, laid to rest a lot of concerns uh, about the mayor's ability as an administrator. I think that there's been a, a lot of doubts out there in, in, uh, in a lot of the populace about his, the, his strength and ability to govern. Um, and I think a lot of that was laid to rest in the successful launch of the Flora Expo. So Lynn's going to win? I think that Lynn's going to win. Uh, okay, there the we air go. turns absolutely horrible tomorrow. Right. Albert, <laughs> green or blue? Well, I think the two competitors are really neck and neck. It's still hard to tell. But I tend to, you know, I would like to add up one thing. I think the effect of the Flora Expo is limited uh, in terms of only... Uh, you know, taking some effect locally rather than rationally. Even though uh, we are electing a uh, mayor in the city of Taichung rather than the president of, of Taiwan. But still, you know, don't ever forget that the spillover effects always plays an important role when during elections. And back in 2010, the Flora Expo in Taipei did make a national effect, and that spilled over back to the mayor, the mayor candidate, how long being back to win at that time. But it, this time, I think Lin Zhao invested a lot of money in this uh, Flora Expo, but I don't see any uh, widespread news coverage or any discussion, like widespread discussion on uh, news, uh, I mean, social media like PDT. I don't see much of that. So compared with how much budget they invested in there, you know, people make fun of this Flora Expo, uh, compare it with, uh, there's another uh, Pokemon, 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 the kind of activity in Tainan. And that one was very cheap, I mean, in terms of cost, but the effect was like uh, attracted over 1 million people coming over to Taichung just to join the activity. But I don't think that... Uh, the same case in Taichung. In terms of the final results, I think it's still neck to neck. But I, you know, in this, I tend to agree with Donovan. I think Lin Jiaong still has a slightly more uh, odds of winning the final ele- the election. But, you know, any little change might be after our interview, after our roundtable here, might be anything happening today you know, drastically change the final results. So, but, but temporarily, I, I, I will take my bet on, on Lin Jialong. Well, so, it really depends win. on whether or not China has a conspiracy and if they're going to send a lot of air pollution over today <laughs> and tomorrow. Well, that's, that's, that's it, 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 it will They have giant fans it, it will in, help, in Fujian right now. It will now. help uh, <laughs> the KMT candidate. Uh, I, I think she's laboring under uh, the challenges left behind by Lin Jialong's predecessor who had been in office for many years and voters were, were obviously eager four years ago to turn him out and elected Lin Jialong and uh, the, the, you know, the desire for change in Taichung, I don't think it's quite worn off yet and, and voters might just be happy with continuity. There we go. You agree with the Apple Daily again because the Apple Daily gives it a smiley green face. Now, finally, in Kaohsiung, who's going to win? Well, it, it 
it's very hard to tell because uh, there's so much uh, excitement uh, which manifests itself in, in various ways, whether it's attendance at rallies, the uh, online following, uh, which seems to favor Hangul Yu. We don't know how many voters will return home. Right? That, that's also a, an area that's very hard to analyze. So how many Kaohsiung registered voters will return from Taipei? I guess we'll have to stand at the high-speed rail station tonight or tomorrow morning to get a feel for that. Uh, so, Gavin, it's, it's extremely difficult to tell. Donovan, very quickly, Hang Yu or Chen Chi Mai? Uh, I think Chen Chi Mai is going to take it. Um, I think that uh, Han Guoyu is, I, I think he's generated a lot of excitement. And it really wasn't until last night that I came down on, on this, uh, on thinking that I think Chen Chi Mai is going to win it. Um, essentially, the Han Guoyu appeals to voters who are outside of the blue base, which he's done an excellent job of motivating and energizing. He's appealing to voters on uh, that are frustrated and he's emoting well to them, but he's not. Uh, but the things that really get voters out um, are he's, he's not providing much intellectual leadership in the sense that KP appealed to, to independence on a more intellectual level, saying, uh, you know, I've got practical solutions that, that work, so come out and follow me. Uh, and so he's not appealing to those kind of opinion leaders who can mobilize people. And I think he's also failing. Uh, he's not doing. He's not quite reaching out in the sense of getting people afraid. Uh, he's not playing uh, like like uh, he's not playing the fear or division card. So I don't think he's going to get people coming out out of fear. He's but he is going to get people uh, independents who will come over to his side who are uh, who are frustrated uh, with stagnation in Kaohsiung and feel that 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 there is a time for change. But I still don't think that he's going to be able to pull out the numbers that can overcome the DPP's superiority in numbers in the city. However, that may not even be what he wants because if he can pull off a good showing in Kaohsiung, he's right now the most popular politician in the KMT, Wu Duaning is being sidelined. If he loses, but but with with honor and with a good showing, that sets him up to run for president in 2020. But you're saying Chen Chi Mai is going to win? Yes. Right, Albert, Chen Chi Mai or Han Guoyu? Well, I, I thought Chen, uh, Han Guoyu had a, even an edge over Chen Chi Mai until the televised debates. I think the televised debates really shows already proved that what uh, DPP has criticized Han Goi for many months has been true. Because Han Goi does not have a really solid strategy or the, you know, uh, action plan for Kaohsiung to get rid of the criticism that being old and poor. I think Han Goi is right in that. But Han Goi really fails to, to present a solid or concrete action plan or how to do this. And uh, I think that televised debate really hurts Hangui in terms of the independent voters. They probably feel reluctant to show their support or even cast the ballots for him uh, at the end of the day. But, but this time, even though Hangui might lose the election, I think personally, I think he wins the election because uh, he will uh, attract a lot of more attention. Also, a lot of people now is talking about uh, whether in the, in, the, in the aftermath of election, the KMT will will reform in the sense of Hangui style. 
So I think that's hope for him, even though I don't, I don't, I don't think that he will win the election in Gaoshan. Neither, neither, neither does the Apple Daily, because both, both parties lose in Gaoshan, according to today's Apple Daily. They both have sad faces. There we go. Anyway, I've been joined in the studio today for this week's edition of Taiwan This Week by Ross Feingold. I encourage everyone who's eligible to vote tomorrow. And on the telephone by Albert Cho. Hi, uh, I, I really encourage everybody to go out to vote, especially for a referendum. I think that's also important too. And also by Donovan Smith. Uh, I encourage everyone tomorrow to go out and uh, buy stuff, shop and, and, and grow the economy. And if you've got a little bit of time, go and vote. There we go. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Taiwan This Week here on ICRT with me, Gavin Phipps. And don't forget to check out Taiwan This Week podcasts on iTunes and Android podcast apps where you can get access to all our previous shows. Tune in again next Friday evening at 8 for another informative look at the top stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also check out our podcast on our website, icrt.com.tw. Now keep it here for more music and news only on ICRT FM 100.